All right. So uh, we're in Romans still. We'll be here a while. And we're going to do a little recap as we always start. So we know where we left off last week, where we're trailing into this week. Um, Romans, the whole book, just to give you guys an update for those who haven't been here. Uh, we're at chapter 6, and Romans is about salvation through Christ. The whole book is basically a doctrine on salvation. And so for my theology nerds, that's called soteriology. It's looking at salvation and how it operates in our lives, um, the effect of salvation, why we need to be saved, the scope of salvation, all this good stuff. So we'll start with uh, the verses from last week, just so we know where we're at today. Pastor Nate gave us Romans 12 through 14, and it goes like this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. And so, just a quick review, we are no longer in the bondage of sin. And we look at how Paul directs us not to obey sin. You see that in verse 12. And because we have a new master in verse 14, our new master is Christ. Um, he says in verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master. And so Dr. Nystrom introduced us to the idea uh, that Paul is really echoing that sin comes through culture, it comes through ourselves, and it comes through Satan. So those are kind of the three avenues sin can travel through. And uh, Paul tells us to offer ourselves up as instruments of righteousness. Instrument meaning like a weapon. That's the, the word in the Greek. So offer yourself up as a, a weaponized soldier of righteousness. Um, we look at verse 14. This is, the, this is where it's going to lead into what we're talking about today. The section concludes with Paul saying, we are no un longer under the law, but under grace. And so we're going to pick that apart today as we get into Romans 6, 15 through 18. So we've got 6, 15 through 18. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but by grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to somebody as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So, systematic study. We're going to walk through each verse uh, and kind of just break things down. So we'll start with verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but by under grace? By no means. So Paul's asking a rhetorical question here. He's, he's asking a question he already, we already know the answer to. Anybody who's, um, he's speaking to the church in Romans here. And the Jews and the Pharisees at this time would have asked this question because they've been living by the law. They've been using the law as their means of salvation, as their means of displaying their righteousness. And so... He's, he's saying to them, or they would actually ask him, what, so the, the law doesn't matter anymore, we, we just have a free license to sin? And so he's saying, no, absolutely not. Um, and really, 
one of the questions they might have asked is, well, since we're, the law doesn't really matter anymore, is it okay if we kind of sin, uh, you know, every once in a while and, and grace will cover it? Well, no, that's absolutely not. We're not supposed to have a cheat meal uh, sin, you know, eat healthy five days a week and then go out and splurge on the fifth, on the sixth day, okay? That, he says, no, absolutely not. And, the, and the, the word he uses for no, absolutely not in the Greek is me yenito. And it's the most emphatic way to say no. He's saying never in a million years, heck no, not happening. God forbid in some translations is what he's saying. So he's saying absolutely not. Um, and, and what it means to be under the law. Let's take a look at that. Let's get into this second part of the verse. Um, we are not under the law, but under grace. God shows us his nature in the law. He shows us that he is holy. We see in the law this spiritual mirror that we, we, we can't keep the law. You read the Old Testament. You read the whole Bible. People are trying to keep the law. They just can't do it. Even people who are David. He was a man after God's own heart. David had, was breaking the law left and right. And so it's really a spiritual mirror to show us our necessity for Christ. We see in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Christ says, Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ isn't really talking about physical burdens here. He's talking about the burden of a system of works that the Pharisees put on the backs of people. That, that they're constantly trying to prove themselves as morally right, prove themselves, I, I can do... I can hold the law and I can save myself. And what Christ says, come to me, let me save you. Um, he's acknowledging that we can't maintain the law and that there's freedom and rest through him. And that's so sweet because that's why we're under grace rather than the law. Um, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Paul said that in Romans 3.20. We looked at that a couple, maybe a couple months ago, maybe a couple weeks ago. I don't know. It was years of Blair. But... Uh, that's basically what's going on in verse 15. Um, he's asking this rhetorical question, and he's confronting their, their issues with the law. So, verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And what are the key words in this verse, if it's up on the screen? You can shout it out. What are the key words you're seeing in this verse? All right, let's go, Josh. Oh, you guys already got it. It's obedient and slaves. You guys have been doing your homework. Slave shows up three times. Obedient shows up three times. Obedience, obey, same thing. Um, and so let's look at those two words because when I saw this verse, I got wrapped up in a slave and slave and slave, all this stuff going on. And I was really confused, so I, maybe there's someone else out there who isn't as sharp as me and got, and got, uh, who, who is as sharp as me, excuse me, and got, and got caught up in every, in all the, the words going on here. So, why is Paul talking about slaves? He's using an analogy. He's taking a concept from everyday life that the Romans would have known, and he's applying it to this. Um, to illustrate this point, one-third of the population of Rome at this time, scholars estimate, was slaves. 
So that would be like taking the room from right here where Miss Stephanie was and just cutting it off. All these folks over here are slaves. And so there would have been people in the church at Rome who would have been slaves. They would have been accustomed to it. That would be like asking for us, like, who some all the Patriots fans in the room, you know. I don't know if that's really applicable here, but I'm just I'm even in the You see what I'm saying? A third of the folks in the room. Uh, and what is a slave? If you remember, Paul introduces Romans, I, Paul, a slave of Christ. That's how he starts out. And the, if you remember, Pastor Nate was talking about it. Doulos, that's what slave is in, in the Greek. And someone whose will is not their own. They are 24-7, 365, living for someone else, doing what their master commands them. And what constitutes a good slave? This is where obedience comes in. Obedience. What constitutes a good slave? An obedient slave. One who listens to their master. Um, obedience is carrying out the word and will of another. In this case, carrying out sin or uh, listening to God. And so, let's look at obedience. Obedience in the Greek literally means hearing under. Uh, that is, listening from a subordinate position in which compliance with what is said is expected and intended. And, and here we see Paul is really corroborating the words of Christ in Matthew 6, 24. That no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then Christ provides an example. He says, you can't serve both God and money. So you're gonna, you can't serve two masters. You're going to hate one, you're going to love the other. Try it out, see how it goes. Um, I, that's, that is a rhetorical statement. Don't actually do that. Uh, in summary, Paul is saying that people fall under two classes in this world. You're going to be, there are two types of people alone in this world. Those in sin and those in Christ. Okay? Those in sin have made their master. Their master is death and sin. And, they, and they're, they're going to reap death as their payment. Okay? Those in Christ have made Christ their master. And they will reap righteousness. And all the other blessings that Christ has listed for us. And so, what's Paul's point here? He's asking, who do you obey? Who's your master? He wants, us, he wants the church at Rome, and, and we can look at it, to think, who do we obey? Who is our master? The habitually unrighteous life cannot be a Christian life. That's the second point he's making here. That you're going to be serving sin. If you're constantly serving sin, that's your master. If you're going to be serving God, you're going to be constantly serving God. That's your aim. Now, we're all human beings. We have a sin nature. You're going to slip up. But Paul talks about how our appetite is changed. It's, it's our appetite that is changed when God works in our hearts. It's not by our own accord. It's not by our discipline or our strength to resist sin. It's because God has literally taken our desires and molded them after his. Okay? So Paul's going to keep going. He's going to expand on this here in verse 17. Verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart 
the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. And like I was saying, we have a sin nature. Before Christ, our allegiance was to sin. And we, we see this, this section here. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. This was another part that really stumped me, and I did not know what Paul was talking about. Um, we might share the same name, but we don't share the same line of thinking. So I had, I had to really like dig into this. And the word heart, cardia, that's the, the Greek use of the word. Paul's not talking about the literal organ, but rather that the heart is the center of our personality, our will, our intellect, and our emotions. Um, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about the, the beating heart, okay? He's talking about will, intellect, emotions, and that God has changed it. Uh, one theologian says that just as the integrity of our physical heart is vital to our physical health, in a similar and even more important way, the integrity of our spiritual heart is vital to our spiritual life. For our spiritual life impacts not just our enjoyment of time, but of eternity. So, what is Paul's point here? We were once slaves to sin, but God changed our will, our emotions, and our minds to serve him when he became our master. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. This is verse 18. It's our last verse here. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. This one, thank you Paul for making it short and sweet here. He kept it to the point. Um, the part that, that kind of sticks out that I think we should take something away is that we have become slaves to righteousness. That really means that we, we no longer, as believers, we no longer are free to do what we desire. We're only free to do what is consistent with the character of God. We're slaves to righteousness. He's using righteousness as a personification of God here. Um, so we know that our appetite has changed and, and sin is something that should trouble us and despise us. We want to be enslaved to that righteousness. And one theologian says that true freedom is freedom from the ruthless tyrant of sin. Now that we are in Christ, we are slaves who do what God approves of. And now I'm going to kind of take some reflections from all these verses and I've got... Uh, Two points and a question. Reflections and takeaways. You don't have a license to sin because of grace. That's what Paul's addressing to these Jews and these Pharisees who, who've, who've got their own opinions or want to ask questions. You don't have a license to sin just because of grace. Like I mentioned, your appetite has changed. We saw that in verse 17 when it says, uh, let me find my page. Oh, well, the pattern of teaching. In other translations, it's the form. It's, it, talk, it says the form of your heart. And so, really what it means is that God has taken your heart and like formed it, put an imprint on it, or like poured it into a new mold so that your heart is no longer um, inclined to participate in sin. That your desires, like I said, your desires, your will, your emotions, God has taken those and aligned them with his character. Huh. I guess the analogy I would make is that you, 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 being in sin is like eating a meal of rat poison and charcoal. 
okay? And being in Christ is like having a well-rounded nutritional meal. Some chicken, some sweet potatoes, some, some peas, okay? And it's sweet, too. There's even a piece of cake, okay? And, and we don't want to continue eating rat poison. At the, at the time, that's all we knew. That's all we knew when we were in sin. That's, that was what we were accustomed to. That's what we got fed by the world. That's what, what we saw other people eating. That's what got slipped under the door for us when we were in that prison, that spiritual prison. But now, Christ, is, he, he, he just opened up a buffet for us. And, we're, and some of us are afraid to enter into there because we're used to what we're, we're we don't want to try new things. We're, we're used to what we've been accustomed to. Christ is beckoning, beckoning us in. You know, he's changed our desire. And so, through salvation, through sanctification, the work that, the working of Christ in our lives to continue making us holier and holier. He, he takes us, he takes us, our appetites and he changes them. Well, the second point I want to make, or that actually Paul's making that I'm observing, everyone serves something. Everyone serves something. More specifically, you serve God or you serve sin. That's what Paul is saying. There's two types of people. The question that goes along with this is, who do you serve? Who is your master? Who is your master? It's, I'll give a, a brief little testimony about my life in, in my master, because I'm relatively new to Christianity. Uh, I think it's like a little over two years now. And when I read this verse, when I was first reading the Bible, I read uh, the verse I shared earlier from Matthew that you, you can't have two masters. You will learn to love one more than the other. And that really tore me up because I knew for a long time I had a, a problem. And some people might, I've shared this before, it might be silly to some people, but um, I used to smoke a lot of weed. I used to smoke a lot of weed. And when I say a lot, I mean, that was just... That was my master. It was the center of my life. I probably spent two hours a day just preparing um, weed to be smoked, like rolling blunts and going to locations and picking up weed and all that jazz. And like some folks are like, whatever, you can't be addicted to weed. I was absolutely addicted to weed. I was using it as a form of self-medication. Um, so that was absolutely my master. And I struggled with it. And even when I, even when I was always smoking, I hated it. I didn't want to be doing it. I just knew I was in prison to it. And so I was like, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing because this keeps me straight. This keeps me from really hurting myself and stuff like that. That's what I, how I justified it. Um, and I remember when I read this verse and I was like starting to learn about Jesus' character. And I was like falling in love with um, this person in the Bible, Christ. I was like, whoa. <laughs> he sounds a lot better than this uh, this weed and he sounds a lot better than my sin he sounds a lot better than my sin and I was like I want to I serve this guy I would really like to do that but I know I don't have the power I don't have it in me I've tried to quit 
I'm going on vacation. I, I, I went to another country outside of the United States and I found weed there. I would go across the United States and I'd figure out how to smuggle weed there. I'd take the risk. That's how it, like, it was my lifestyle. I'd go, I'd go meet new relatives I had not seen since I was like five years old and I'd make sure that I had weed with me along the way. I'd be up in the the back of their, in their backyard, crafting a bong out of water bottles and stuff. Like, that's the control it had on me. Um, and glory be to God. That's the point of this story here, because... I so badly wanted to be freed from that, because I wanted to serve God. Not because I, I didn't want to be free, because I just didn't want to smoke no more. I wanted to serve God. And glory be to God that he helped break those chains in my life. I remember the day I ran out of weed. I had, it was my second time here at City Church. I had went down to my house and I smoked my last bowl. And uh, I knew I wasn't going to be able to buy any more because I ran out of money. <laughs> and so there was a catalyst right there. And uh, 7 o'clock came around a couple hours later. And I was, I was bugging, I was stressing, I was, I was like, man, I want to smoke, man, like, I can't. And so I just ran out of my house and I was like, I'm going to go on a run. I'm going to go run around the block. And I run down the street. And I'm like crying as I'm running down the street. And uh, I see the doors to this building are open. And I had never been down this hallway here. And I was like, there's got to be someone. I'm just feeling this thing in my heart. Like, there's someone in there who can help me. And I'm like... I'm just going to go in there. Some, maybe I can just talk to somebody. Maybe somebody can help pray for me or something. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm tweaking out. And so I just go inside. And this is the way God works. God is so good. I walk down the hallway and I like hear voices down the hallway. I'm like, either there's some ghosts in this building or there's some people in here. And so I follow the voices and I like crack the door open. And there's the Spanish with a mission classes going on where... Robert Parker teaches Spanish, and I'm like all red-faced, teary-eyed, and pastor's sitting right by the door. Like, pastor had no business being at this class on a Monday night. I don't know if he was trying to learn Spanish or what, but <laughs> he was right there, and uh, he saw me, he flipped on a dime, came out, well, man had only met me twice, you know, in passing at the end of the service, and he came out, he's like, what's wrong, what's wrong? And he displayed the love of Christ. He listened to me, and he prayed with me. And after that, I remember I had some people who I, who I had been talking to. I was like, I'm really trying to quit. And I was working this job where I, I that's all aside. Anyways, I'm gonna get to the point. I had some people who I was telling I was trying to quit, and they were kind of like, Yeah, you're trying to quit. Go ahead. We've heard it before, blah blah blah. You know. But we support you. And uh, like four days in, I remember they had even linked me up with some folks who were like, they have a cannabis support group where you go and you talk about cannabis addiction and stuff. And I was like committed to go and all this. But I ended up not having to go. And, and I was talking to this guy I'd never met. He was helping support me. And he was like, how are you, how are you getting through this, man? Like, I really struggle with this, yada, yada. And um, 
God had changed the desires of my heart. He changed my appetite. Is what I'm trying to get at. And it, God is glory, all glory be to God. Because he'll do things in your life that you don't have the power to do. And that's that's what Paul is talking about here. We don't have the power to break sin. We don't have the power to keep the law. Christ has done it on our behalf. Trust in Christ and he will guide you. He will help you out. To the believer and the non-believer, those who are struggling with that secret sin, those, those who haven't given their life to Christ, I invite you to... I invite you to, to lay down your lay down your heart, lay down your pain, lay down your struggles. Give it over to Christ. Christ is inviting you. He's begging you to come. Come to him. Oh. So I, we've looked at these verses here. Hopefully we can all take something away from it and know that uh, Christ has the power to set us free, truly give us freedom. And on top of that, he's going to give us eternal life. What more can you ask for? What, what better master could you ask to serve than the living God? There's a song I love, and it says, one of the verses is, My dreams can't love me back, but Jesus can. So we, we all have these, we all put our, all our hope in our dreams and a, money and I'm going to get this spouse and I'm going to get this car and if I get this, just get this job and there's diminishing returns on all these things. You will be running in circles. You will be running in circles. As, as the author of Ecclesiastes says, this is all vapor. It's fleeting. You might, you know, it might taste good for a little while, but it's fleeting. But the joy that comes from Christ, that's an eternal joy. You're, not only are you investing in the now when you choose Christ, but you're investing in the future. So make the smart investment. And thank you guys for having me. Let's, let's pray out real quick. Lord, thank you for Paul's writing, what we can learn from it and take away. Thank you for, again, your son just having the power to break sin in our lives, Lord. Let us realize that as a reality in our lives. And not just as some words on a page, but let's, Lord, please, please, I, I, I plead with you, break the sin in our lives, Lord. It's, it is nothing to you to do that. And for us, it's near impossible. Lord, I thank you again. I hope that everybody can walk out today with one thing that they can use to glorify you. In Christ's name, amen.